The Midsummer Classic is on the horizon, and there are shakeups galore throughout the Classic League standings. I'm Matt, here with CLB Commissioner Jason, and we're going to prep you for the Home Run Derby, the All-Star Game, and the second half of the season. All that and more as we go through the fourth inning of Season 2 of Dead People Baseball, right now. Welcome to the latest installment of Dead People Baseball. It's been a little over a month since Jason and I were uh, able to sit down and talk about Classic League, and Jason, it's been kind of a wild month, hasn't it? Truly has. A lot of shakeups, as you said in the open, um, you know, kind of leaving us to wonder what the season's end will be. Yeah, thought my team was looking at a June boom and ended up going with a little uh, June swoon. Uh, your team's performed pretty well and kind of like different uh, different levels of success and failure throughout the league. Yeah, I think you know. I think my team has kind of gotten back um, to the top of the division, but I, you know, had a long stretch where where things weren't really going as planned. Um, I've I, I think I've struggled to score some runs this year, and I think every team has kind of gone through uh, some ups and downs, uh, which is leading to. The big surprise, and that's there's more losing teams than there are winning teams. It's definitely a, a unique season in Classic League. We'll start things off with the first pitch from Casey Rydell in just a moment to get you up to speed on all of our league leaders as well as the updated Classic League standings, which have been pretty crazy as we mentioned. Then we'll start our trip around the bases. At first base, Jason and I will dig into those stats and standings a bit, see if we think things will stay the same or change as we go into the second half of the season and some colossal feats that have taken place. At second base, we've got some mailbag questions to cover, which will answer queries regarding special uniforms, curses, protected lists, and more. After we grab a dipper at third base, we'll get into the All-Star Game preview and announce the Home Run Derby field, our starters for the Kinsella and Hobbs leagues, and a special vote to decide the designated hitter. We'll come back home with a deeper look at the back half of the regular season and talk about key series coming up, potential trades, and who is looking to earn some hardware. Jason, anything to add before we kick it over to Casey? Let's blast it off. Take it away, Casey Rydell. Thank you, Matt and Jason, and we've got no time to waste, so let's get right into it. We'll start with the standings in the Hobbs League and the Oak Tree Division, where the Twinsburg Tornadoes have caught the Brentwood Bearcats and now lead the division by one and a half games. Twinsburg is 49 and 34, while Brentwood is 46 and 34. Don't count out Athens either. They're seven and a half games back at 40 and 40 right now. In the Lightning Division, we've got three teams under the 500 mark battling for first place. North Coast has the upper hand right now as the Crashers are 38 and 42. The East Point Elites and Wormtown Warriors are just one percentage point apart in second place, with the Elites at 37 and 45, and the Warriors are 36 and 44. Over to the Kinsella League and the Moonlight Division, which looks a lot like the Lightning Division, the Cleveland Spiders have overtaken the defending champion Limerick Hurlers and lead them by half a game. They are 41 and 41 and 40 and 41, respectively. 
The Raleigh Fingers are still alive too, as they are just three games out of first place at 37 and 43. Last but not least, we visit the Cornfield Division where the Gramercy Ghostmen have made big moves in the standings, opening up a three-game lead in the division as they have a record of 44 and 36. Harvey is in second at 41 and 39, and the Sarnia Sting are nine games back of first place with a record of 36 and 46. On to our league leaders now, and we'll kick it off with the pitchers. The Twinsburg Tornado success comes from two of their starters who are first and second in wins on the year. Ed Walsh holds the top spot with 14 wins, while Max Manning is right behind him with 12. Slim Jones of Athens, Brentwood Satchel Page, and Jack Chesbro of Harvey round out the top five with 10 wins each. Brentwood is well represented in the top five in ERA category, as Three Finger Brown leads the Classic League with a 2.98 mark, while Satchel Page has an ERA of 3.35. The big train Walter Johnson has a 3.5 ERA for the Raleigh Fingers, and Addie Joss has a 3.70 ERA for the Limerick Hurlers. Dazzy Vance has been very good for the Gramercy squad as he sports an ERA of 3.79 as we approach the halfway point of 2022. We've got some big saves numbers coming out of the Classic League this year as six pitchers have at least 15 saves. Mariana Rivera of Sarnia and Brentwood's Jonathan Papelbon are right at 15, while Trevor Hoffman of Gramercy has 16. Cleveland's Billy Wagner and Takashi Saito of Athens are in second place with 17 saves each, and Hoyt Wilhelm of the Twinsburg Tornadoes leads the way with 19 saves. Pitchers are racking up quite a few strikeouts in 22, with eight pitchers notching 100 or more strikeouts so far. Our top five looks like this. Pedro Martinez of Brentwood has 108 strikeouts, while Rube Waddell of Gramercy and Satchel Page of Brentwood have 111 each. Sandy Koufax leads the way for the Harvey Wallbangers with 116 Ks, while Slim Jones of Athens leads the league with 133 punchouts for the Bob Kittens. All that great pitching doesn't mean that the hitters aren't hitting. Josh Gibson is still aiming to be a 400 hitter, but he's got work to do. He leads the league with a 381 mark for the Harvey Wallbangers. Home Run Johnson of Athens is in second place with a mark of 359. Stan Musial comes in third also for Harvey with an average of 357, while Turkey Stearns of East Point and Lou Gehrig of Cleveland round out the top five with a 356 and 352 average respectively. Gibson is hitting for average and power in 2022 as he's put 29 big flies over the fence for Harvey. Lou Gehrig is doing the same for Cleveland with 24 homers, while another wallbanger has 24 in Albert Bell. East Point's Turkey Stearns also has 24 homers, while Hank Aaron of Sarnia has 23 dingers as we approach the All-Star break. Have we talked about Turkey Stearns at all yet? The guy is fast. He's 15 triples fast, a lead of six over Shoeless Joe in Brentwood, and Stan the Man of Harvey. The doubles race is a little tighter with Lou Gehrig leading the way with 27, and Oscar Charleston of Wormtown in second with 24 two-baggers. Speaking of speed, there are a lot of stolen bases in the Classic League this year, as three players have 30 or more steals. Eddie Collins of Gramercy has exactly 30, the Flying Dutchman George Van Haltren has 32 for Brentwood, and the Georgia Peach Ty Cobb has 35 steals for the Cleveland Spiders. How about a new edition of the Ballantine Beer Player of the Week? Joe DiMaggio has been a big part of Gramercy's rise back to the top of their division. Over the last 10 days, Joe D has hit for a 432 average, knocking in 19 runs and putting 7 home run balls in the seats. 
an outstanding stretch for one of the Classic League's best players. Congratulations to Joe DiMaggio and his Gramercy Ghostmen. That'll do it for the DPB first pitch. Matt and Jason, back to you. Thank you, Casey Rydell. Jason, what do you think about the way the standings have changed over the past month? It's been a wild ride. Um, I think with so many teams um, in it and close in the race, you know, I don't think this is the last of, of the of the switching that is taking place. It's, yeah. it's crazy. Right now we've got six teams that are within three games of the lead in their division. I mean, that's throughout every division. That's that's. That's crazy. I've never yeah. seen it bunched up like this in the past. Yeah, I think, and to be, you know, past the halfway point in the season is usually an indicator that they're going to be there to stay. You know, we've had close races plenty of times, but I think to have uh, pretty much every division um, with, you know, tight race is going to make it very exciting down the stretch. You know, I, f I feel like my my team's bats kind of started to slump a little bit and had some pitching issues as we were going through the month of June there. Uh, but a team that does not seem to be having any uh, batting issues is the Harvey Wallbangers. Um, you got Josh Gibson going for that ever-elusive single-season home run record again. I mean, talk more about, uh, about what the Harvey Wallbangers are doing this year at the plate. It's consistency, I think, is the big thing. You know, they're the only team in the league hitting over 300. And as great a season as Gibson has had, um, Stan Musial, Albert Bell, you know, you can go all the way down that lineup. Um, even Ed Delahanty at the top of the order is having one of his better seasons, getting on base uh, for those guys in front of him. Um, it's in the home runs too. I mean, he he. We don't know what the team record is for home runs, but I would say that, you know, whatever he finishes with is probably going to be somewhere <laughs> in the range of what it would be because. I mean, everybody in that lineup is hitting for power, it, it seems like, you know, one through nine, uh, very consistent, um, you know, and even though his pitching is kind of more towards the bottom of the, of, of the league, you score runs like that and you're always going to be in games. The lineup's bailing him out for sure. So let's, let's talk about some great pitching. You know, last year uh, we had the Brentwood Bearcats with an outstanding pitching staff, but their offense wasn't going. This year they got the offense clicking and they're running it back on the uh, on the ERA title for <laughs> for the teams in the league. Yeah, kind of the the other side of the coin, like we talked with Harvey. There, Brentwood is the only team with an ERA under four, um, and I think a big benefit to them is pretty much their whole starting rotation is doing well enough that they're eating up a lot of innings. So I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I would venture to guess that their relief innings are probably pretty low. They got um, the solid closer in Jonathan Papelbon, mm -hmm. and it's like if your starters can get you through you know, seven or eight innings, you, you don't need to worry about um, – the uncertainty of, of middle relief, which is kind of the story of this league. Everyone has to deal with that. It is, it is the greatest mystery to be solved within the Classic League. Um, so we saw a couple cycles recently, did I see? There's been a couple couple guys going for the cycle. Yeah, um, cycle. Um, a lot of offensive feats taking place. Um, uh, quite a few guys ha having three home run games. We had a four home run game from Albert Bell earlier in the season. Um, the question is, what happened to the, the pitching feats? Like, when are we going to see right. 
something like a perfect game or a no-hitter. We haven't had a no-hitter since 2018, which was, was probably the craziest feat that's ever happened in this league. Sandy Koufax threw back-to-back no-hitters mm-hmm. in back-to-back starts, and we haven't had a no-hitter since then. So going on four seasons, you know, and to be honest, like, I think the, the game stories that get printed with, with each box score, um, they do a pretty good job of letting you know if a, if a pitcher w- was on his way to a no-hitter. And I haven't really seen a guy go f- further than, like, the sixth or seventh inning so it, it's like we haven't even really had a pitcher come close to a no-hitter um, within the last few years, and it's a bummer. I, I'm, I'm hoping uh, maybe talking about it will, <laughs> with the weird things that always seem to happen after yeah. our episode, you know, maybe we'll see one soon. I mean, we almost killed uh, Pops last episode, and uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh, maybe maybe this we time we can, about, we can we, we can speak a no-hitter into existence this time. Pop, pop, pop Fisher, yeah, Pop, pop <laughs> Fisher, yeah, whatever. No. Um, so other than that, I mean, are there any other things you you see out of the ordinary this year? I mean, it, it, the offense does seem to be up a little bit. I mean, just looking through box scores day to day, I see higher scores, not a lot of shutouts. Um, yeah, it seems that way. It seems like even shutouts are are even more rare. I, I think this has been an offensive league for quite a number of years now, but you know, high scoring games it seems like through the roof, like teams getting close to 20 runs, some teams surpassing 20 runs in a game. I know that's happened a few times already this year. And it's not just teams like Harvey, you know, it's like teams all across the board will have these offensive outbursts um, mm-hmm. out of nowhere. Yep. It's pretty cool to see. And it's, it's fun to read those game stories as they come out. And, you know, you're always probably going to go to yours first but uh definitely encourage people go look at those other box scores read those bo- game stories because there's a lot of cool information in there and you can I mean, you can really get a good sense of what's going on in the league as uh as the season progresses what do you think jason are we good to head to second base yeah let's get to those questions we got a lot of them here we go as you just mentioned jason we've got uh, some mailbag questions to go through here at second base uh, so why don't you uh, read the first one, and then we'll talk about it. So the first one, I guess, was more of a, a topic suggestion and a question, but to put it in the form of a question, what's up with the curse of Al Spalding? What is up with the curse of Al Spalding? It, it's a mystery. I, I think it, he's one of the weird individuals that seems to be overly impacted by that pre-1900 effect of, of the game. Um, there's the like real life airs that go along with players before that. And even though you may have like position players that make those airs, it seems to impact the starting pitcher more often. And I think the frustrating side of it for anybody who plays against a team, it seems to impact both teams, not mm-hmm. just the pitcher from, you know, before 1900 and, it's why Al Spalding always seems to have a relatively low ERA because he gives up a lot of runs, but a lot of them are unearned runs. And I think, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be the one to assess risk. There's a reason why I never draft those guys. I don't want to deal with that. Um, but I think that's the, uh, the mirage of players like that is seeing the low ERA and not kind of realizing that, they're probably not winning a lot of games because they're giving up so many unearned runs. Um, but it was like ever since his highest air game took place, it was Athens against Twinsburg, 
and Babe Ruth like went on this massive slump. Yeah. But he seems to be snapping out of it now. Um, I, I noticed uh, uh, the last time, I know Twinsburg's facing a lot of his uh, division foes right now, and I noticed the last time uh, they matched up, there there weren't a lot of airs in that game. So, you know, at least it doesn't happen every single time out. And I can remember, I, I know I had Al Spalding on my team um, earlier in my Classic League career, and, I, you know, I don't remember that happening. I don't think I was as in tune to what was going on back then. Mm-hmm. Um, my teams were not always uh, performing very well. I'd, I'd get lucky if I made the playoffs, but... I mean, hey, maybe that's maybe that's what it was. It was I, I was uh, I was under the curse of Al Spalding, and now I'm not, and and uh, Twinsburg is. So sorry. Yeah, we'd, have to, <laughs> we'd have to uh, we'd have to go back to um, look at like teams Al Spalding has been a part of, see if he's ever won a title before. I mean, Athens is is in the race. He's doing all right. I mean, Spalding seems to be um, having some success for him. Where. He's putting the curse on other teams. I guess right. that's what you want, right? <laughs> All right, what's our next question? Uh, so a question came in about the City Connect uniforms and would the Classic League uh, take part in what Major League Baseball does? Simple answer to that is... I, I think the answer is no, not as a league. Um, I, th- I think uh, part, of the, part of the reason we did uniforms was just because we had the time and wanted to make... Uh, you know, make it fun. Um, I kind of created home in a way and alternate for everybody. But I think keeping it simple is kind of what the Classic League's about. It's like a return to what baseball used to be. Um, but we've already got a team who made their own city connection. Yes, teams, did a great East job Point. with them too. Yeah, so I, I would say, you know, any team that wanted to create them certainly could. You know, there's plenty of freedom to do so. You got to be careful other... though. You got to be careful because you could get uh, you go down the rabbit hole. And you can end up with like seven, eight, nine different jerseys for your team <laughs> as as one uh, yeah. one yeah the Limer curlers. Yeah, I think I um, think yeah. part <laughs> I think part of that um, it, what makes it difficult to do that league wide too is not every team is actually connected to a city. So how, you know how do you connect to a city when you don't have the background <laughs> of it? So yeah, I mean if teams want to do that on their own, yeah, feel free to do it. Yeah, get them. We'll get them added to the page. Next question. Um. Well, let's let's go to this one here. It says, "Can fielders be sent in to pitch?" Like Ernie Clement lately. We've been seeing yeah. that happen in Major League <laughs> Baseball when there are blowouts. Yeah, just because Albert Pujols got a uh, an inning of relief, we're probably not going to get a Stratomatic pitcher card. Is that what it comes down to? Yeah, I mean, the way the game works is you have to have a hitter card, a pitcher card to play those positions. It's also why two way players don't exist in this league. You know, guys like Babe Ruth, Bolt, Joe Rogan. Uh, Martin DeHigo, or Reb Russell, I think, um, is another one because he became an outfielder later. When you draft those guys, you have to designate them as pitchers or hitters just because um, in order to do both, they would take up two roster spots, and we just we don't want to do that. Um, so the easy answer is no, you know, if they don't have a pitcher card. But it could happen if you run out of players, kind of like when guys are sub, like if all your catchers get injured, you know, sometimes a guy who's not a catcher will have to catch. I mean, you have to fill those spaces. But it's not something the manager would do because of a blowout. It would, you know, happen. Just, just be necessary. Yeah, because you ran out of players. That would probably be the only way it would occur. And I don't think I've ever seen it occur in our league. Yeah, even so, I mean, we had, there was like, wasn't there like a 17-inning game uh, last week at some point? Or something like that. It was a long game. Yeah. But I don't think it got to that point. Yeah, and I, I have a feeling, I mean, I don't know what the manager would do, but I have a feeling the manager would probably be more likely to put in a starting pitcher 
who mm. you know just was on the on their uh, on their mm. roster rather than a fielder. But but I don't know. Maybe maybe that wouldn't happen. Yeah. Never seen it happen. We're, yeah, we'll, we won't know until we know. What do we have? One more question for the mailbag. Yeah, pretty uh, important question, um, and I think we debated about maybe pushing this back to the next episode. But I think with the trade deadline coming up um, at the end of the month. Someone asked about protected lists and draft order because last year there was a little bit of confusion with that being an expansion year. We can firmly say that the 2023 season will have 12 teams or less. You know, I don't know who's planning on staying or going, but we don't want to expand too quickly, um, I think, because this year was an expansion year. We don't want to immediately expand next year. We talked about that, I think, on the last episode. So the draft order will be uh, consistently... Um, worst record, first pick every round. Whoever wins the World Series will be the last pick every round. And the protected list will be eight players. So we will be keeping eight players um, from your current roster and record determines draft doesn't go serpentine. It will be one through 12, you know, based on that every single round. Uh, that's how we usually do it in non-expansion years. I think because last year was um, the first expansion year in a few years, there was a little bit of confusion, even on my part, too, that I'd forgotten that we would typically do the, the, the Serpentine style. Um, but, yeah, next year will be straight-up draft based on record and protecting eight players. Sounds like a plan. All right, that covers our mailbag questions. Uh, make sure you're sending those in. You know, Hit us up on Twitter. Um, at Classic League Zero Five, and uh, we'll be happy to answer them. We love doing the mailbag questions; it's always fun to get the involvement from you out there and uh, those that listen. So, yeah, keep sending them in. But now, let's head to third base. All right, let's grab a dipper here, Jason. What have you put together for us this uh, this fine day? So today, we got mm. the uh, Bloody Mary. Oh. The the Famous or, well, maybe infamous um, Bloody Mary mix that I throw together for uh, friends and family. Tastes delicious. I, I'm getting some horseradish in there for sure. What else we got in there? Horseradish is the key. Um, there's a certain brand that I, it, it has like no label. It's like a white, plain white label. Uh, fresh horseradish is, is my favorite part of it. I think that's what gives it its kick. Um, I won't go into all the ingredients. Can't reveal all that's the ingredients. Okay. But I think uh, another key for for this is the the tony pack tony paco's sweet hots oh the yeah pickle juice um that that's a a big one for me because uh gives it a little unique flavor absolutely well speaking of kicks let's talk about the home run derby you know All we got right. the midsummer classic coming up but i want to start off with the uh the home run derby that'll give us a, a, a short sneak peek of some of the players that'll be on each team um so let's look at the let's look at the bracket here Let's break it down round by round. On the first round, in the first round, in the Hobbs division, we'll have our number one seed, Turkey Stearns. Talked about him with Casey Rydell. We'll go up against Willie Wells of the Brentwood Bearcats. And the number two seed, Babe Ruth, will take on the number three seed, Frank Robinson, representing the Twinsburg Tornadoes and North Coast Crashers, respectively. It's pretty good matchups. For sure, um, and a little surprising. Frank Robinson, we've always seen that pop from him, but he's he's having he a really made the home run year. derby this year. He was well, he's in it last year too. Oh, that's he, right. He, he was right. in it as a four seed last year, um, doing a little bit better this year. 
Uh, Babe Ruth also returning, um, but Stearns and Wells are new participants. Um, nice to see uh, one of the expansion teams having a player in mm -hmm. there. I know last year was the first year that we did this home run derby. We kind of do it the card and dice way and just something uh, extra, you know, for us to kind of get together and add to our, our Twitter account. Uh, don't usually post anything about it on, on the website other than the bracket um, just because it's not an official uh, event. But um, if, if you have our Twitter account, uh, be sure to follow us uh, on next Monday. What's the date? The, the 11th? The 11th, yeah. The 11th, yep. yeah. And then uh, over on the Kinsella side, no shock here, number one seed Josh Gibson uh, taking on uh, from Harvey, taking on the number four seed Mickey Mantle from Grand River. And then we've got Lou Gehrig is the number two seed for the Cleveland Spiders and another expansion player, Hank Aaron, uh, representing the Sarnia Sting as the number three seed. Good to see Hank Aaron um, making it and hitting home runs yep. again this year, having a bounce back year. Um, Mantle was last year's champ, so he he's tied with uh, a few different guys from the division. I know Barry Bonds also has twenty home runs, um, but you know, getting the edge we, to give him a chance to defend his title um, could be tough this year. Last year, his his home run card was. Very good. Outstanding. Yes. I mean, I think we, he went like, what, 12 in a row at one point? Yeah, luck, luck of the roll, I suppose. But, mm -hmm. yeah, much higher seed last year for him. So he's got his work cut out for him this season. Not a, a favorable first-round matchup either because <laughs> right. Josh Gibson is definitely the clear-cut favorite. Absolutely. So there's Josh Gibson in there, too. Now, we also have Albert Bell has had a really good home run year for Harvey. Not allowed to have two players from the same team? Yeah, even though he's in second place, um, we kind of made that unofficial rule last year just to get more teams involved that if if you had a player um in the derby you, you couldn't get more than one um you know and i think we'll keep it that way uh even if we are to ex ever expand the number of players that are in uh it's definitely to try and um get more teams involved rather than the players themselves absolutely anything else about the home run derby before we uh, look at the big rosters um, I don't think so. I think we're ready to look at those uh, starters that were revealed this morning. Yes. So let's start with the uh, let's start with the Hobbs League, and uh, give me the names of the players that will be in the starting lineup for the Hobbs League. All right. So behind the plate, we got Yogi Berra from Twinsburg. Um, first base, Buck Leonard, East Point. Second base is Rogers Hornsby from North Coast. Third base, John Beckwith. Uh, representing Athens, the uh, the home field, uh, hometown hero. Uh, at shortstop, Willie Wells of Brentwood. Left field, Frank Robinson of North Coast. Center field, Turkey Stearns, East Point. And in right field, Babe Ruth from Twinsburg. And then the starting pitcher will be another hometown hero, Slim Jones. Uh, quite a few pitchers. I won't, I won't talk about that yet because the rosters haven't been revealed, but there were three or four very worthy candidates to be the starter on the Hobbs side. Lots of lots of good pitching performances this Should year. I think he went because it's the hometown guy. Uh, Lee, the he leads the league in strikeouts. I he mean, does. he's and dominant. His, his ERA is very good. Um, so yeah, he was kind of the the uh, sentimental pick, just because I think um, you know in real life that would probably be likely as well. Sure. Now let me ask you real quick because I know some of this is a lot of this is determined by the strat. By our league, like yeah. you're not picking these players. Did you pick the starting pitcher? Yeah, because okay. that 
the way that the way that the league kind of um, lists off their the All Star like winner I don't, what a team or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, there's there's two things that kind of happen with that. One, they don't they don't like give you very like specific starters. They just give you a list of the players, and sometimes um, let's say um, a player is playing like left field, but they're also eligible for first base. Sometimes the game like will list them as a first baseman. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it doesn't determine the position that the owner is playing those players. So you're going to see guys in the wrong position. You're also going to see guys not included because they only list like two per position. So I I usually, um, you know, make those choices, I guess you would say, uh, based on um, their numbers and kind of factoring in that the computer just doesn't always make the smart choice. Got it. Okay, so that kind of gives some explanation on that. So now let's go over to the Kinsella League and hear who our starters are. All right. Um, some surprises, I think, this year. Um, obviously not a catcher. You, you got your perennial uh, superstar, Josh Gibson, behind the plate um, representing Harvey. First base, Lou Gehrig of Cleveland Spiders. Uh, second baseman, I think this might be his first all-star appearance, Tony Lazari of Harvey. Huh. Uh, Gave him a shot this year, and it's really paying off for him, um, which I'm happy to see because I think he's a guy who has real-life numbers that you would think would translate into what he's doing this year. Uh, third base, your your own Limerick hurler, Judd Wilson. Hey, Judd's having a great year. Um, shortstop, having a, a big batting average season, Derek Jeter, making a, an all-star start for the expansion Sarnia Sting. Out in left field, stand the man usual of Harvey. Center field, Joe DiMaggio of Gramercy and his teammate in right field, Mickey Mantle, um, starting out there as well. And starting pitcher from the expansion, Raleigh Fingers. No, not Raleigh Fingers, but Big Train, Walter Johnson, Walter Johnson. gets a start. Wow, some, some, yeah, some new names, some, uh, some surprises. How many snubs? Can't really think of anyone that... Uh... You, th- you thought might be there and, and wouldn't, I think because a lot of players have down years. My own Tris Speaker having not a great uh, batting average year, so not surprised to uh, see that he hasn't made the starting roster. What else? I mean, any other thoughts on that uh, that starting lineup? Yeah, so, the f- you know, the full rosters will be announced on Tuesday, mm-hmm. um, I think, to go along with what you were just saying. There's going to be a lot of guys that are usually all-stars that just t- didn't make the cut this year. Um and again, I wouldn't say they're snubs because I think for good reason. Um, and Kinsella in general, just super crowded outfield, like many good outfielders. Uh, and then in the Hobbs division, many good pitchers. Um, but um, another thing that we have going on this year connected to the starters is that designated hitter fan vote. All right. And uh, this year there's going to be three candidates to vote for in each league. Um, those players are on the all-star rosters. They just made it as bench players, and so they have a chance to, to be voted in as starters at the designated hitter spot. Um, so I'll go through those. Do we have those names? Yeah, I got cool. those names. So Let's go through them. Uh, over in the Hobbs division, we got Mule Suttles of Wormtown, Harry Heilman of Twinsburg, and Willard Brown of Athens. Uh, three guys that all are, all, are all deserving. So we'll see how the vote goes for them. And then in, in the Kinsella League, Ted Williams of Gramercy, 
Albert Bell of Harvey and Barry Bonds of Raleigh will be the candidates to be selected for the starting designated hitter position. Barry Bonds is an all-star this he year. He is an all-star. I mean, the curse of Barry Bonds is dead while Al Spaldings lives on. <laughs> At least for a season. At least for a season, that's right. Anything else all-star related before we head home? Are you going to do jerseys this year? Are you making some jerseys up? Um, we posted those on the Twitter account. Obviously, we consider those the warm-up, right. quote-unquote, jerseys, since um, you know all-star teams should be wearing their own team's jerseys to represent. Um, but, yeah, all I can say is check out our Twitter account, vote for your favorite designated hitter, and tune in Tuesday to find out who the winner of that is, as well as... Who are the other players that made the all-star rosters? Sounds good. Let's head for home. All right, Jason, let's see what's coming up in the second half of the season as teams continue battling within their division, but they're also going to need to start thinking about the wild card. Who do you think needs to make some moves to stay alive deep into the regular season and get one of those coveted playoff spots? Well, I think with everyone in it, um, you know, any team could, could choose to try and make a run um, by making a trade. But I think especially the teams that are tight in the division races, maybe some of those teams that are like a game or two or three back, um, a move might put them over the top. Um, I think teams like Harvey come to mind who have all that offense and might need a pitcher. You know, they, they might be able to move a hitter for a pitcher or something like that. Wormtown is kind of in that same boat where um, they've been let down at times by, by their pitching kind of blowing leads or things like that. So you may see something like that. Um, what about teams maybe that even within their own team have things that they can do? I, I mean, I reached out to you recently with some, uh, with some updates. I promoted a pitcher, demoted a pitcher, moved, uh, moved Bob Locker into the setup role. And uh, do you see some other teams that might be able to just make some of those little tweaks that could make an improvement for them? Absolutely. I think that's usually the first thing you want to try because especially in this climate of everybody kind of being in it, you might not see um, willingness to make a blockbuster move. I think oftentimes, um, and we kind of saw it last year when North Coast was out of it, the Ed Walsh trade, um, came from a team that knew they were out of it and wanted to kind of restructure their core for the following season. Uh, there are certainly some teams that will probably do that this year, but I don't know if July 31st is, you know, too late or too soon for them to think about um, the fact that they, they want to look towards next season. I think it all depends on, you know, how you see yourself and, yeah, I definitely think, um, you know, tinkering with the guys you have is probably the easiest first thing to do. You mentioned trades. The trade deadline is going to approach pretty quickly here, and we're actually going to have another episode of Dead People Baseball for you, uh, either on July 30th or the 31st, which is the trade deadline. Um, I mean, there's always an opportunity for teams to improve with trades. Do you think that the way things are bunched up right now, do you think that will have an impact on how many trades are made or if teams just kind of don't want to make trades because they don't want to help other teams? Could could happen that way. Um, I, I Especially if you're... 
It's hard to say. I mean, like we said before, you look at the standings and you see more losing teams than you see winning teams. And you got teams who are 500 or just below 500 leading divisions. So just because you have a losing record doesn't mean you're out of it. And so, yeah, I think we definitely, I don't think we'll see as many blockbusters as we did last year or maybe the years before. But I also think having that firm knowledge that next year is not expansion. It is eight player keeper that if you already know who your eight players are that you're keeping, you know, a team might be willing to trade that ninth or 10th guy. So maybe not a blockbuster deal, but definitely a higher market value deal that could help teams win right away. Throw you a curveball here. We didn't, we haven't discussed this at all. So I, I think about, uh, you know, a team like mine where, you know, I, I think I can make some moves, but you know, I also know that uh, we've got Albert Pujols, and we've got Miguel Cabrera, and we've got some guys. Do you? Th- I mean, do you think that you could? We could see tanking for the first time. I don't think we've ever had a season where it's been like a real tank situation. But a guy like Albert Pujols uh, is very intriguing, as we've mentioned before. I mean, could you could you see a team throwing in the towel and saying, "Hey, I want to, I want to play for that first pick." I think a team could consider that. I think that's a consolation. But in my opinion, I don't think there are, I think Pujols is really the only game changer. You know, even though a guy like, you know, with Miguel Cabrera decides to retire, or I know like John Lester retired, like you got some quality guys coming into the league, but you don't have Babe Ruth, Josh Gibson, like, you know, and even Albert Pujols, I would compare to like Hank Greenberg. Are you going to tank for Hank Greenberg first pick? Like, Maybe if you really need a power hitter, but most teams don't really need a power hitter. So in my opinion, I think like you get to the last like two or three weeks of a season, then maybe you consider trying to get that first pick. But to tank this early in the year for something like that, I just don't think is going to like make your team that much better next year. Yeah. Just the way, I mean, just the way the classic, classic league is and has been, you're going to, I mean, you're, you're better off building and, and going for the going for the trophy at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Speaking of trophies, how are we looking when it comes to award season? Who uh, Who's looking like they might get some hardware for their trophy case at the end of the year? We got a lot of weird things um, kind of playing out for the Cy Young Award. I think that's the most interesting one that always seems to be changing. Part of that, I believe, is the fact that a lot of your ERA, win- like ERA leaders and wins leaders aren't really aligning. Mm-hmm. And... You got a lot of closers who are in strong seasons, so those some of those guys are like in the running. Um, talked about like the Hobbs League having a lot of starting pitchers. I think that's kind of where the race sits right now. You know, guys like Slim Jones, Max Manning, Ed Walsh, Satchel Page. Um, you know, and even a guy like Three Finger Brown with his ERA, mm-hmm. he's not getting a lot of wins. But if any of those guys kind of go on a stretch where they, you know, either bulk their wins like three or four in a row or if they have a higher era throw a couple shutouts like that that race could change you know quite dramatically and josh gibson's gonna be the mvp right it seems that way <laughs> but you know i think there there are some players that are are in that race um and we kind of saw it the, the last couple of years where if you're a, a team that's not winning your division or, or maybe not even having the wild card and all of a sudden you have a hot end of the season and make it to the playoffs you know, you could see a guy like Turkey Stearns or Oscar Charleston or, 
you know, a, a player players like that on teams that are not um, in the playoff, you know, scope right now, that if they have a hot month and those guys are a big reason why, that could catapult them in, into the MVP conversation. But, yeah, I mean, Gibson definitely at this point is the front runner. Yep, as he as he usually is. I mean, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's a great player to have on your team. What else you got, Jason? Anything we uh, anything else we need to cover before we wrap things up here? I think going to the pitchers, uh, the back end of the bullpen. You know, we talked about how many closers are having good years. I think mm-hmm. that race is wide open too. Oh, the Rollades relief man. Right? Yeah, I mean, you look <laughs> you look at the guy leading the league in saves, Hoyt Wilhelm. You know, has not been dominant. You know, he's been very good, but he has not been Billy Wagner dominant or you know. Trevor Hoffman dominant in terms of like not a lot of blown saves, low ERA, but he keeps getting these opportunities and his last like five or six, I think he's cashed in on to lower that ERA. So it's, it's, uh, that's going to be a tight race as well. It's cool. So a lot, a lot of, a lot of cool stuff that's going to happen in the second half of the season to, uh, to determine those final outcomes. And, and pretty soon we'll be talking about the playoffs. It's crazy. But, uh, so crazy. It's, it's crazy to think about. All right. We wrapping up. Yeah, let's call it a day. Sounds good. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Dead People Baseball. Stay tuned to at Classic League 5 on Twitter for the designated hitter vote, as well as the results of the Home Run Derby on July 11th. The All-Star Game will be played on July 12th at Tiger Stadium, home of the Athens Bob Kittens, so make sure you visit classicleague.weebly.com for the game story. That'll do it for this episode. I'm Matt, he's Jason, and we'll see you next time.